Hi, welcome to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas, mostly but not exclusively BL dramas. It's part review, part recap, so there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! Hi, this is Kelly. In this episode, we will be talking about Second Chance, episode 6, the last episode in the series. Nobleman Ryu's Wedding, episodes 7 and 8, also the last episodes in that series, and the show Guardian, which some people consider kind of like an o- the OG of Chinese BL dramas. There were other Chinese BL dramas be- as well around that time and before, but unfortunately a lot of them got banned. Guardian you can still find online. I believe it was edited because it was taken down for a while and then bought back. I started watching it originally in 2018 when it came out. And then as I said, it got taken down and it came back and I didn't rewatch it again. I've started recently rewatching it. So in this podcast, I'll be discussing episodes one through five of Guardian. But here we go. Uh, let's start off with Second Chance, the series, uh, episode six. Episode six is the final episode. This was a pretty short series. And one thing that I have not mentioned in my previous podcasts, I'm not sure why, but the OST for this. I really like the OST. I usually don't pay that much attention to the OST for most series unless it grabs me instantly. For this one, it really did. There's something so soft and soothing and almost sad in the OST, the way it's sung. And I looked it up to see who sang it because Like I said, I don't really know, I don't focus on OSTs that much. So it's not a voice that was like instantly familiar to me or anything. Like if it was Potato, I might recognize Potato if it was a Thai drama, but this I didn't recognize. And when I looked it up, it said it was T047. I'm not sure if that's the singer. It sounds like it's the singer or group. And the song is called The Cold Wind Theory. Like I said, pretty sad, soothing kind of song. And I think it fits the opening pretty well. The ending is pretty much the same thing just without the vocals it's instrumental but also just a very soothing and sad and since there are sad moments in this drama I think it really it really fits it's also a very quiet song and I feel like that really fits in the drama as well because there's no big dramatic storyline in this drama this is kind of a slice of life as they call it drama centralized on three stories you know it's just the day-to-day life of a high schooler problems that they might face, problems they might be going through. So I think this quiet kind of song fits really well for this particular drama. So episode six is probably, I think, the weakest of all of the episodes. Not to say that it was bad. Um, I only have one kind of complaint, and that is the Arthur Geno storyline. This episode, a good portion of it takes place during their prom. And there's a couple of things. It's not just it's not just Arthur himself, but during the prom, a teacher comes up to Arthur and starts talking to him about the bullying. He doesn't say bullying, but about the violence, you know, that he's done against other people. And I'm like, this is, <laughs> to me, it was kind of like odd that you would come up to someone during prom and start having that kind of discussion. Arthur agrees with him that he shouldn't have been a violent person and says he's sorry. And the teacher's like, you know, you don't have to say sorry to me, which I was like, thank goodness he said that because that was my first thought. So he goes to find Jeno in the prom and tries to talk to him about it and apologize to him. What I really liked about that Jeno discussion was that Jeno set the terms. 
you know, Arthur wanted to go talk outside and, and Jenna's like, no, whatever you have to say, say it here, which I agree with doing that because you already know from prior experience that you really can't trust him. And so he apologizes and Jenna's just like, if you want me to forgive you, I can forgive you. But basically, I'm not I'm not going to forget. We're not going to get back together. And Arthur asks if they can at least still be friends. And Jenna is like, nope, let's just be basically, let's just be acquaintances from now on. We'll just pass each other by. And I'm in total agreement with Jenna. It's one thing to forgive what happened because some people, I don't know if you agree or don't agree with this, but some people say, you know, forgiveness is really for yourself. It makes you feel better about having that person and those actions out of your mind and not dwelling and not hurting yourself with it. So it's one thing to do that, but it's another to just go back and act as if nothing has happened. So I'm glad Jenna was like, nope. And he just moved on. And then they show a scene. It's like, there's no transition. <laughs> they just like suddenly are showing Arthur outside crying with his two bullying buddies and he's saying like no one cares about me and I can see kind of what they were trying to do was to show like sometimes people who bully who bully themselves are people who are hurting in their own way I think is what they were trying to get at but there was no kind of transition we never saw during the series that Arthur had home problems or something that contributed to him being the way he was I mean, I suspected because that's that's something that people find with bullies that they've they've got stuff going on in their background, but they just never showed it. And then suddenly he's he's there in the prom saying this and his two bully buddies are like, oh, we'll be here for you. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if those are the best people to be around. I mean, all together like that, but I wouldn't trust them either if they were just willing to go around bullying people with you. They might turn on you. I don't know. Aside from that weird editing issue and the weird and the strangeness of having this whole discussion during the prom. The rest of the episode was was really good. It started with Tung Fa was still in the hospital and he's still recuperating. And so they didn't know if he was going to be able to make it to prom. They assumed he was not going to be able to make it to prom because he wasn't 100% yet. So paper, it, you know, was sad because he was going to be at the prom by himself. They were all preparing for prom. And being student president, he had to give a speech at the prom. And so he's preparing for the speech while also feeling sad that Sung Fa is not going to be able to be there with him. They also had the Nier and M storyline that they they wrapped up. They got together in the end. At the end, they both apologized to each other about the argument that they had had. I still was not really feeling that storyline, so it was like, hmm, whatever. But the, the other two couples, it was really sweet in this episode. I think I was saying like that's adorable about 10 times while watching this. Jeno and Chris after one of the times that Jeno is boxing or not boxing doing the Muay Thai at the gym. He brings Chris home for dinner with him and and then the family of course starts teasing him because they're like oh Jeno's never brought a friend home before. I don't know if the parents think that he's more than a friend I think dad might have because he just kept looking at him and like smirking and laughing and whatever mom I'm not sure about and of course the sister knew exactly what was going on so she was teasing him as well but they were just all a really cute family and we got to see Jeno giving Chris a chance and I didn't realize Jeno was a junior because he was calling he called Chris his senior when he introduced him to the parents I don't know if he meant his senior as in a whole grade ahead or just that Chris was a little older than him, I'm not sure. But anyway, the Chris, Jeno couple were sweet and Paper and Tung Fa 
those two couples were really sweet. They could have dropped near and M that whole storyline. Six episodes is really short for a series. So I think they almost tried to pack in too much into six episodes. All in all, I thought a good series. I kind of underrated. I don't really see people talking about it that much online. And it's a shame. I mean, I've said several times, I love Jeno's storyline. It's a storyline that is not explored often in, or at all, as far as, as far as I remember in BL dramas. And I actually really loved at the end that he didn't just automatically forgive and forget that he was just like, I forgive you like up until this point, but this is as far as we go. I really like that. You are not responsible for someone else dealing with whatever their anger issue is. That's something they have to figure out themselves. And it doesn't mean that the person has to be a punching bag or whatever while the other person is figuring it out. So I like that. I like that that they let him gain his own strength doing the Muay Thai. And I don't mean physical strength. I mean emotional strength and just belief in himself and that he had this protective friend with him, Chris, you know, friend first, boyfriend second kind of thing. He, he, even in the last episode, Chris is just like very protective of him. And I really like that. I think that's going to be good for him to have this, like I said, friend first, boyfriend second, just to have this good friend. And the tongue thought and paper storyline at the end too you know they're kind of talking about the future and Tung Fa is like I don't know what's going to happen in the future which I think is realistic you know it's a high school they are this is set in a high school it's a high school romances a lot of them don't really last I don't know about Tung Fa on paper they've been friends forever and they've been through thick and thin so we don't know how that's going to last but I thought that was very realistic of them to even have that discussion and one thing I noticed before they had that discussion, actually, they left. Um, Tung Fa wound up coming to the prom, surprising Paper, who really did not expect him to be there. He only stayed really kind of briefly. It was kind of overwhelming for him, and they decided to go for a ride on the motorcycle. And one thing I noticed is just a little thing that in an earlier episode when Paper was riding behind Tung Fa on the motorcycle, he was like hesitating to put his arms around him to hold on as they were riding. And this time he just put his arms around his waist, you know, he's much more confident in, in holding on to him. So I thought that was just an interesting visual. So I would definitely recommend this drama for anyone to watch, um, a BL drama. No big, big, big storyline. Like I said, it's really slice of life of what high school and probably university students are going through as well. But overall, just a good drama and underrated. I think it's probably because it doesn't, I don't know what company it's out of, but it really doesn't look like it has a big budget or anything. The actor who plays Paper, I noticed, is also going to be in Ken, the Ken Porsche series. So I'm not sure if it's from the same um, company or not. doesn't look like it because Ken... Ken Porsche looks like there's money being poured into that series. So I'm not sure if it's from the same place, but I really liked his acting. So when I saw on uh, Instagram and Twitter clips or whatever that he's going to be in Ken and Porsche, it made me even more curious about it. I really want to see it. I'm, I'm looking forward to Jeff and Game being there and now this actor who plays Paper being in there. So, so next up, we're going to look at the last two episodes of Nobleman Ryu's Wedding. And by last, I mean last in the series. There were only eight episodes in the series. They were putting out two a week. So the series went on for about a month. I don't know if it's up on Vicky yet or anything. It's it's on WeTV, certain regions. In episode six, we left off with Choi Ki-wan's sister having returned. Um, Roi Ho-sun 
you know, says he doesn't want to marry her. She's not loyal. And he wants to basically stay with Choi Kiwan. And he asks Choi Kiwan what he defines their relationship as. And so in episode seven, it's just the continuation of that where Choi Kiwan now has to make this decision of are they going to stay together? And he decides not to. He leaves like I thought he would. I, I had remembered seeing in the trailer that he had left a uh, note for Roy Hosan that said, I'm sorry. And that's exactly what happened in that episode. It was another short episode. It was about nine minutes long. And then episode eight, it takes place sometime later. You don't know how, how much later they meet again briefly at a, I guess, historical version of a, a bar, a drinking place. <laughs> and um, Choi Kiwan speaks to Ryo Hosan, who doesn't recognize him at first for like the first few seconds. And then he realizes who it is that's speaking to him. Choi Kiwan offers him an apple, asks him if he'll accept it. Which when I was watching VTV, someone in the comments was saying that in Korean culture, that that's a way of apologizing. I, I don't know if I'm not Korean. I'll take their word for it. Roy Hyo-sun seems to accept it. They have a little conversation there and they walk along and then separate. More time passes and our previous male lead comes to visit Joy Ki-wan's house and he brings a letter with him, a love letter. And he says like, this is the first letter you're going to accept from me that you're not going to rip up because Turkey one right away was about to rip it up without even opening it, thinking it was from him. And they don't say who it's from, but you can tell that it's from Rui Hosan. And Rui Hosan has moved away to the countryside. They don't say why, just that he has to. His sister, of course, doesn't want him to go because she likes him being around. And in this episode, they're showing a little bit of the flashbacks of how they're the relationship between Choi Wan and Rui Hosan progressed over time, all the cute scenes. And this is all to bring us to uh, Choi Wan's ultimate decision of whether or not he's going to stay with Roy Hosan. And basically the ball is in his court because Roy Hosan has put it out there that he wants to be with Choi Wan. So nice series. I'm not going to tell you the ending. <laughs> Go watch it. Um, like I said, it's on WeTV. I'm not sure if it's on Vicky. If it's not now, I'm sure it'll be at some point cute little series the the weakness i would say was episode three and four i mentioned in my previous podcast uh pretty choppy episode four specifically episode three was okay episode four was pretty choppy but then they corrected it in five and six and seven and eight were good episodes all the episodes were pretty short i would say but decent show i enjoyed it the acting was good the actor who plays Choi kiwan was the same actor as in mr Hart, i believe it's called who played Sana. I have to say I liked his character in Mr. Hart a little more, not a little more, a lot more. Over here he was a little bit, a little wooden. Um, I think that was probably supposed to be on purpose. He's supposed to be this pretty scholarly, serious person. Um, when he was, as as the sister, when he was playing the sister, pretending to be a female married to Rohasan. When he became himself, Choi Ki-wan, as a male, he seemed to loosen up a little bit. It was a little better in terms of his expressions and stuff like that. But I, I still have to say, I think I like the way that he acted at Mr. Hart better. I guess he just does that adorable character a little better. So I guess my only issue in this series was more with the editing. The cinematography was fine. You know, Korean dramas... I don't know about making film, you know, but uh, whatever it is they do, they do well. It was just the the clips that they chose to put together, the way they did it in that fourth episode, just 
just didn't work out. Other than that, it was pretty decent. Um, filmed well, acted well. I would not say that it's a favorite out of the South Korean BLs I've seen, but it's interesting in that it's a historical drama, which is something I really haven't haven't seen. So that was good to see that they've expanded that kind of universe. Out of all the Korean BLs I've seen so far, or at least what you can you can see on Viki, like I said, this is not there yet, but it probably will be. Color Rush is still going to be my favorite, just because of the concept. I really want more of Color Rush, even if it wasn't a BL, to be honest, even if it was just a, a het series, just the concept of it is so interesting to me. I would love to see it expanded upon, but that's another story. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is Guardian. Guardian was the 2018 series that I'm catching now or re-watching. I got up until about episode 10 or 12, I think, before it was pulled from from the internet. And now it's back, but I've basically started from episode one because it's been three years and I had to, you know, refresh. So I'm starting from episode one again. I'll be talking about episodes one through five here. So for those of you who don't know what Guardian is... Guardian, I believe, was based on a BL novel, but it was made into a bromance drama, or they tried to make it bromance, but the leads in this series have very good chemistry with each other, which was part of the reason why it got pulled from the internet. The chemistry was too good, I guess. Episode one starts right away explaining the world that this takes place in. This is not Earth. This is the planet Seastar, which is very Earth-like, but it is not Earth. On Seastar, it is described as an old planet, and to this planet, a group of aliens came by spaceship. The cells combined with the cells on Sea Star, basically like a kind of terraforming, and it created different species. One of them is called Demi-Humans. They have the ability to transform their bodies, and we'll see later, like, one of, one of the characters of the show, one of the main characters has the ability to turn into a cat. The other species um, chose to live underground. They are called undergrounders. These, though they look like humans, I guess you would call the people of this planet humans, they have gained supernatural abilities as a result of their, their cells just mutating when they moved um, to live underground. Even though there were these different species on Sea Star, they all lived in peace until one day a meteor collided with the planet, which caused environmental changes that affected the undergrounders. They had a shortage of resources. This caused some of the undergrounders to leave the underground, go to the surface, and wage war, basically, to try to get resources. And of course, remember, they've got supernatural abilities. This war broke out, and it was undergrounders versus sea star and demi-humans. Eventually, the sea star people won because they created these four artifacts that collected the energy of the meteor that, ha that had collided with sea star. Once the Sea Star people finally gained this power, it allowed for the war to even out, and a peace treaty was signed among the various people, and the peace treaty has remained until present day. This is all an explanation that's in the first like one or two minutes of the episode. And then we see present day where we're introduced to our first character who is a professor at the university. Right away when they show the professor, it's like they start putting mysterious music on. We don't know his name just yet, but you know there's something mysterious about this character with the music that keeps playing throughout his whole scene. The scene is going on for several minutes and this mysterious music is playing in the background. And then it switches over to another character who's walking in the dark, trembling, and then you don't know what's going on, but he eventually reaches this building and he goes inside. And it turns out he is a newly hired member 
of this special team that investigates mysterious crimes, crimes of the paranormal. His name is Guo Chang Chang. As I said, a young man, and he's pretty much kind of a scary cat, but a sweetheart. And he's recruited onto this team or forced to be onto this team, basically. And they have to accept him because he's the nephew of, of someone important. He, I guess, probably in a way is us, the audience, because, of course, in the next episodes, they're getting into these paranormal cases and they're fighting evil things. And he's the confused person. He's the scared person that doesn't know what the heck is going on and what he's been dropped into the middle of. So I guess he's supposed to represent us in a way. So within his first five minutes of reporting to duty, poor Chang Chang is, is faced with his boss who's riding in on a motorcycle, doesn't even introduce who he is, just like drags him into the office, meets his co-worker who is part snake, the other co-worker who, as I mentioned before, turns into a cat, and the other co-worker who appears human but likes to do strange experiments and blows something up just as, just as the, the new colleague walks in. The next day, a murder takes place at the university, and our special investigation team gets called in, and of course they go to investigate, and that's when Professor Shen Wei, our mysterious figure, meets the head of the special investigation team, Chief Zhao, for the first time. It's clear that Shen Wei recognizes Chief, Zha Chief Zhao. Chief Zhao does not recognize him. I think his soul recognizes him, if we can say that. There's like a feeling of deja vu, but he doesn't really recognize him, but Shen Wei clearly knows who he is. He doesn't even want to look him in the eye at first, but he's just like in shock when he meets him. And we don't know why yet. We'll discover why later. So as the case proceeds, we get to meet Professor Wei's student, Li Cho, I think it was, Li, who is the one who witnessed, um, sort of witnessed what happened to the person who had been murdered. She saw a shadowy figure. This is earlier towards the episode. Towards the end of the episode, this Midway pointed towards the end, the shadowy figure keeps coming back to her house and then at the end actually comes back to the university to try to attack her. But she happens to be with um, Shen Wei at the time and he's able to help her as much as he can. They call, while they are hiding, they call Chief Zhao who then, you know, rushes to the university to try to save them from this shadowy figure who Shen Wei had called an undergrounder. So he's one of the undergrounders. With them is old Chu who is another member of the team that we had seen earlier. He uses puppets to help fight. And he's the one who actually um, drags the undergrounder and stops him from attacking Lee. I don't know what the budget was for this show. From what I remember, it must have been a pretty decent budget because they're in the university. They have, they have different settings they go to and they are in various places throughout the show. I do have to say though that shadowy figure that undergrounder really didn't look all that great <laughs> that particular cgi so i don't know that that's that what that's what makes me question what kind of budget do they have now i don't watch a bunch of c dramas just because i've mentioned before it ha they have so many episodes <laughs> i have a short attention span um so i don't know how typical or atypical the way this cgi looks as compared to other dramas but it, it just didn't look that great. So before Old Chu gets there, Shen Wei and the student, Li Cho, were chased up onto the roof. And, you know, they're losing real estate because they're moving back and back and back as the shadowy figure is approaching them. Shen Wei looks, looks like he's about to fight, but then he hears the noise. He looks to the side and doesn't fight. He pushes the student back and he gets knocked off of the roof. You lose sight of him. You don't know what happens. 
And then that's when Old Chu comes in and is able to subdue the undergrounder. Once they subdue him, however, the sky begins to darken. It becomes pretty windy and time stops. Everyone stops moving except for the people on the roof. And like a lightning bolt out of the sky, here comes Black Robe Envoy, he's called. It's actually a figure in a black robe and a mask and holding some kind of scepter. And he has come to collect the shadowy figure. All of the members of the team are clearly very, you know, respectful. They're all like putting their heads down when he comes, except for Chief Shao, who's happy-go-lucky is not the word I'm want to use for it. But and he's not even flippant because that's not it either. But he doesn't, you know, put his head down like the rest of them. Um, our newbie, Gao, doesn't know what's going on. So he's questioning, why are you letting this person take this person that we have just arrested, this shadowy figure? And that's when it ex explains to him and by extension us, the audience, that due to the treaty that was signed with the undergrounders, they can detain, the special investigation unit can arrest people and detain them. But then after that, a black envoy or someone from the undergrounders will come and take the person away. They don't actually have the right to try them or anything like that as part of the treaty. With that, the episode ends. We don't see, as I said, the black rope envoy who comes, who Chief Shao calls him Brother Black. He's wearing a mask, so we don't see his face, but you can pretty much guess who he is. And while all this is going on, remember, the professor has fallen over the side of the building. We lost sight of him. And just now they realize, where is the professor? And they all go running towards the side. And that's the end of episode one. Episode two starts with them all running downstairs towards the, the garden to try to see where the professor is since he's fallen over the side and they find him being helped out of the bushes by a student. He pretty much appears to be okay. He's kind of clutching his back or whatever, but this causes Chief Zhao to look at him very suspiciously. He's already been looking at him suspiciously, suspiciously since episode one, but now even more so because how could someone fall from a roof and not be injured? He knows there's something odd about the professor. Right after that scene, we see the professor in his office. He's taken the shirt just moved it off of his shoulder and we see that he was in fact injured in the fall or by the shadowy figure a ball of black shadowy mist comes into his hand and i believe he places it on his shoulder to help cure the cuts that he has on his shoulder so obviously he's got some sort of power he appears to be an undergrounder and he is actually the brother black he's the black robe envoy you could see the bottom of his face when he was wearing the mask in episode one you knew who he was right away we we're also introduced briefly they don't say his name i don't think but to the bad guy of the series who here is where i guess budget issues come in again is wearing like this dollar store wig it just looks like really cheesy sorry to say but so we are introduced to him our student Li Cho. her storyline continues in this episode there's a storyline involving her grandmother Sorry, it's Lee Chan. I keep saying Lee Cho. It's Lee Chan. Chief Zhao keeps thinking to himself that he knows Chen Wei from somewhere, but he can't figure out from where. And actually, I forgot to mention earlier, in episode one, they show what appears to be a flashback to the past because Shen Wei and Chief Zhao are in costume, historical costume, and with the long hair and, and everything like that. And they appear to be friends. He does not call himself Zhao in there, though. So I don't know how well they know each other. But this isn't a dream. This is like a, a memory that Shen Wei is having, Professor Shen is having. 
So they knew each other way back when. But only he knows it and Chief Zhao doesn't seem to know it. Chief Zhao doesn't know why they feel so familiar to each other. The strange thing is, I don't remember catching this the first time I watched this, but Chief Zhao has this habit of, he says he quit smoking so he's always sucking on lollipops. Even though this is in the past, he actually has a lollipop. Which, how could he have a lollipop in the past? So... I'm not sure where the storyline is going. Like I said, I only got up to episode 10 or 12, so I really don't know the end of the show and I deliberately have not read anything further about the storyline. I know people were upset about the way it ends, but I don't know what they're upset about. I deliberately have not read reviews or like anything about what happens later in the show. So just due to the cases and to the things going on with, with Li Chen, the student, Chief Zhao and Shen Wei just find themselves kind of circling each other, just always kind of being around each other. And this whole time, Chief Xiao is very suspicious and is always asking questions to Shen Wei, trying to figure out who he is and why he reacts the way he does. I mean, they've, Shen Wei has been involved in all these things now, being chased by shadowy figures and all this kind of thing. And the whole time is just so calm about it. Like, who would be that calm about going through those things? What regular just run-of-the-mill professor would be so calm about this. That's part of the reason also why he's so suspicious of him. He's also, I guess, just fascinated about Shen Wei's... Shen Wei's expertise is on genetic mutation and on undergrounders. And at the same time that Chief Zhao is suspicious of him, he also is interested in his insights on things as well. In this episode, we get more of the student Li Chen story, which is as I said, it's, it's dealing with her grandmother. Her grandmother had had a stroke a year before and developed dementia due to this. They call it dementia there due to the stroke. And part of this, the storyline, the, the overall storyline here is that Li Chen used what had been a family heirloom. She didn't know what she was doing at the time. She just wished for her grandmother to get well and to have more time with her, not realizing that she had this family heirloom she was wearing, which they called a sundial, which was actually not just a family heirloom. It turns out it was, in fact, one of the four artifacts that the people of Seastar had made using the power of the meteor that struck Seastar. By using this, this is what I guess like alerted undergrounders, and that's why undergrounders are now trying to attack her. They're trying to retrieve what this artifact. So in episode one, we had that shadowy figure chasing her. In this episode, we have someone who was sent by the dollar store baddie. I'm just going to call him the dollar store baddie because I don't know his name. They don't say his name there just yet. Episodes, episode three sees another murder case at the university. Chief Xiao is still very suspicious of Shen Wei. And so he basically is like parking himself in Shen Wei's office just to kind of keep an eye on him. This mystery involves um, another one of the other teachers and some of the students. This is actually a pretty sad one, I think, in terms of the reason why the undergrounder does the things that she does in the story. And actually, that case does not go on for the entire episode. At the end of episode three, it actually starts flowing into the next case, which is where girls are being discovered and their their face has been taken away and they're trying to figure out why this is and what's going on. Special investigation team sets up kind of a trap to try to trap whoever it is that's attacking these women. At the same time, Shen Wei is also going around investigating separately and he's walking around and kind of holding out that, that black ball of mist in his hand. He's holding that out to kind of get a sense of 
where what is assuming is an undergrounder where the undergrounder has been going and the episode ends with chief Zhao coming up behind him and, and being you know asking who are you because he doesn't realize yet that that is shen wei and even if he does realize it's yet another reason for him to be suspicious of the professor. Episode four opens with them interrogating Shen Wei to figure out, to try to figure out if he's the person who is taking women's faces. <laughs> and they eventually let him go. Chief Chow is just like, let him go. He says he believes he's innocent. I'm not sure if he really does believe he's innocent at this point, but at least he says so. Later on, they kind of join forces to try to figure out what is going on. Along with another kid, he's not really a young kid, but young man who is eager to catch the person as well because he witnessed part of it and he's just very gung-ho and wants to be involved but you know a little too gung-ho so chief Zhao is like thinking he's probably going to get hurt so he doesn't trust him as much as he trusts shen wei or is beginning to trust shen wei so he's kind of fighting against his own instincts being a suspicious police officer slash detective but at the same time having that soul connection somehow that he doesn't he doesn't quite know why, but beginning to trust Shen Wei. So because Shen Wei and, and Chief Zhao are now working together in a sense, they get to talk a little bit more. And there's this kind of interesting conversation they have with each other where Chief Zhao asks Shen Wei, where did he get the name Wei from? And Wei kind of pauses for a second and says, someone very important gave me the name. And you can tell just by the way he's looking and by the way he pauses the that the important person who gave him that name is probably Zhao in the past, I'm guessing. But of course, he can't explain any further because Chief Zhao doesn't really know who he is and that they've even met in the past. As they're walking around, we see Dollar Store Baddie hiding behind a tree, kind of skulking around. So obviously, he's up to something. The episode ends with Black Robe Envoy having a private conversation with Ochu, the puppet master. This is not their first private conversation. They've obviously got some kind of history. Ochu greatly respects him. They haven't gone into exactly what that history is, but it's clear they've known each other for a while. But even so, Ochu also does not know that Shen Wei is actually Black Rip Envoy. Episode five, to be honest, was kind of like the most uninteresting out of the bunch to me for some reason, but episode five, this case does not take place in the university. They are called in to investigate the disappearance of someone. Actually, a couple of people disappear in a locked room, in a locked bathroom. So that's the mystery. How, where have they disappeared to? And they've basically disappeared down the tub, you can say, through the water. There is an undergrounder with water power who is causing these people to disappear as kind of a, a way of revenge. I won't get too much into the story, but it's, it's out of revenge. And again, you're, it's another case like in a previous episode where you see the reason behind why the undergrounder does this. And so you're questioning who's the one who's bad here, who's the one who's good here, etc. The most interesting part of this episode to me has nothing to do with the case, really. It's Professor Wei, Shen Wei, in the beginning of this episode, is he's spoken to by... I guess the chair of his department, maybe someone higher up asking him to, he thinks he's about to be fired, but they're not, they're not firing him. They're just asking him to move off of campus because so many of the murder cases that have happened recently are connected to him in some way. And so they're saying like, it's bringing kind of a bad name to the university or just, it's strange to have him living there on campus. So they ask him to move off of campus. He decides he's going to get an apartment that miracle of miracles turns out to be 
across from Chief Zhao's apartment in his building. So they will now be neighbors, which means that they'll be even in more close contact than before. At the end of this episode, though, we do get to see that there is a little bit of, I guess, what's going to be the overall story arc. Black Orb Envoy take, is taking two undergrounders to, to the underground palace. So we get to see a little bit of the scenery of the underground. And he's also questioning them about something that happened to a previous team that went above ground to retrieve some of the sacred items and stops contacting him. And he doesn't know why, so he's also trying to investigate that as well. While he's actually escorting these two people, these guards come to escort them further and he realizes, you know, this is not kosher and he gets rid of them. But obviously someone is trying to stop him from finding out the truth from, and from investigating which is why they were trying to get rid of one of the witnesses. This particular undergrounder he's escorting was someone that was part of that team that had stopped contacting him. He does discover, however, from this witness that the captain of that team that had disappeared um, had said before he disappeared that his wife was pregnant. And so Black Robe Envoy is like, oh, that means he has descendants on, in this world. And he's surprised about this somehow. So this is, this is going to become important to the storyline later, I guess. As in previously, this episode ends with actually the beginning of the next case, which is going to be a missing persons case. It's interesting watching this now years later because it does look slightly dated to me for some reason. And I know nothing about whatever the budget might have been at the time. The Some of the sets look a little cheap <laughs> to me. I don't know if it's because it's a few years old. So like I said, it's just seeming dated or if there actually was a low budget to this, I'm not quite sure. Because it's science fiction, they do have to spend money on CGI to show like when someone, when someone's body transforms or when something, some supernatural power is about to happen. So maybe that's where they put their money into. But still a very enjoyable series. I, like I said, I actually have not read up deliberately to not read up on what happens in later episodes so I'm very curious to see where this is going and what exactly is the story behind Shen Wei and Chief Zhao having known each other in the past. Okay that is it for episode 9. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Notes from a Drama Watcher. Stay safe everyone!